Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs and disempowering patterns, and break through to create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. The show features interviews with entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information that can help you break free from your blocks and move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity. The show is available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, in the Google Play Store, on, and on YouTube, as well as on my website at winnieanderson.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others in your community, and I hope you'll decide to join my courageous community. You can do that by becoming a fan of the show on my website at winnieanderson.com slash fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox along with information, tips, and resources to help you consistently move forward to reach your biggest goals. You know, retirement has been completely reinvented and reconsidered as people 40-plus pivot and shift from one career to another. People continue working for a combination of reasons, including that they love the work they do, they have different interests at different points in their lives, and they want to continue to contribute to the world. Some, of course, work because they have to and would like to open themselves up to new opportunities to learn and contribute, whether that's in a job with another company or as an independent professional or business owner. From professionals starting a side hustle for extra money or with the intention to transition to self-employment, starting a business has always been seen as an insurance policy of sorts, Now, you know, something where we control our own destiny. And while that's true, it's certainly not as easy as mainstream media likes to make it out to be. In this episode of the show, J.T. Ippolito, author of Encore Entrepreneur, talks about the need for reinvention and to always be flexible in your career. J.T. spent decades with IBM rising through the ranks to become an executive. He's owned several companies and is the CEO of both Sync Media Network and Media Marketing Management. His finger is on the pulse of the latest in marketing technology and what's needed to reach your audience and build your expert brand. So listen in as JT explains what your business pedigree is, what's meant by career reinvention, and why it's a particularly important concept for baby boomers. How to know if starting a business is right for you or not his key strategies for reinvention, as well as his best strategies for an encore entrepreneur to establish themselves as an expert. Along the way, he shares tips for building your expert brand and overcoming fears around sales. JT also shares his perspective on the eight strategic actions needed to run and grow a profitable business. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode. All right, JT, I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be on your show. I'm too. So let's just dive right in. So in your book, Encore Entrepreneurs, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Reinventing Your Life, you use a phrase that I just love, and it's, it's called your business pedigree. Can you describe what that is? We all either went to school or started working somewhere and uh, over time became proficient in what we did and uh, that's why our employers kept us on and uh, they trusted us more and more and through those years the longer we were there the more we learned and the more we were able to maneuver around the company and also enhance our skills in the actual expertise that we went to school for and i always thought that that was actually great because i had many friends that either retired and walked out of the company and the company had to hire them back because they never bothered to train anybody <laughs> yeah. on what they did. And when you have 30 years of knowledge walking out the door, uh, nobody else can replace you, that type of thing. And uh, to me, that always made you special because nobody else could do what you do. And I always thought that that was your big legacy and that was your big point that you could either go out and consult or just have that knowledge that someone out there wants to hear, know, and learn from you. 
that's true for every single person on earth. Yeah, I agree with you. And I love that whole visual of the pedigree. You know, I think about that in terms of dogs, of course, yeah. the purebred. But, of course, it's also that pedigree for dogs that makes them of, of more value and, and generates a higher price, right, than just the, the animal that you get out of the shelter, sometimes the, the Heinz 57 variety. And I think we sometimes forget that about ourselves as well that there's something about us that you just articulated that makes us special. It's this really unique combination of things. And yeah, if we don't, if the organization does not take real care to transfer that knowledge, then it walks right out. And that tells you, you really are irreplaceable to a degree. And I think a lot of us forget that. Yeah, exactly. And I think most people don't even realize it that they have this pedigree. It's just like, well, I don't know what to do. I mean, I've only done this for 25 years. Uh, hello, <laughs> that's what your pedigree is. And right. that's what you can market. And they go, well, yeah, but I was just, uh, no, you weren't just the, you were the. <laughs> right, that, and that's a great point. We put all those qualifiers in right. our speech that minimizes the what we do. And it's words like just, only. So I'm glad you mentioned that too. So let's talk a little bit about this concept of reinvention and tell me why you think it is such an important concept for people in general, but especially for baby boomers. Well, you know what I've noticed since uh, I published the book and uh, just a little PR thing, my second version of the book will be coming out soon. Oh, great. Uh, is that this wound up applying to millennials also, which surprised me. But then because I found out that millennials don't really like being out in the corporate world, uh, they just uh, they can't adapt to it. They don't like it, that type of thing. So even they are looking for a side hustle in the meantime while they're at the corporate world so they can get out of it quicker. And the baby boomers is like, well, you're going to get forced out one way or another, which the with the words downsizing, right sizing, uh, closing your your division, that type of thing. It's like, oh, gee, we're so sorry to you, to lose you. No, they're not. But what about all those people over 40 that have a wife, family, kids, and all that, and college and marriages and things like that? What are they going to do? They've got 40 to 65 to fill in. And I go, you better have a side hustle, and you better start developing your own pedigree and, and have that ready and available for you. Otherwise, gosh, I don't know what you're going to do. I, it's always a fallback. I think it is unfortunate that so many companies don't bother getting beyond, you know, that initial image, that initial line on a, on a resume or that sort of thing. It's really sad and frustrating. But I think the other thing that struck me about this idea of reinvention is that flexibility and ability to learn something new, right? I yes. think that's a big issue as well. And while, yes, you know, we, we tend to think about the older person and their willingness to learn something new, I've known an awful lot of younger people, younger than me anyway, uh, who, all, who struggle with learning new things and being flexible. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. Where does that fit into this overall idea of reinvention? Uh, to me, I've always been interested in the latest and greatest technology bleeding edge. Regardless of being in the industry, it was just fun to follow. So I never had difficulty th through my career because the things I was interested in and the things that I was selling uh, were uh, products that I knew were bleeding edge, going to be leading edge, and then I would move on to the next bleeding edge product once it became mainstream. And uh, that's a big thing. They think the older employee, uh, no matter what you do, he's not going to learn. He's not going to keep up to date. And they would rather not pay health care and benefits to someone that uh, is in an age bracket where it's going to cost them more right off the bat, home, family, mortgage. They would rather start out somebody out of college. They give them nothing to get in. Uh, they don't give them a, a, a better benefits package. It's a lesser benefits package and uh, they give them eight weeks of uh, training and then they push them out the door. 
where most companies don't realize that every new employee they bring in that they replace another employee with is going to take three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get them up to get up to speed, and they don't even realize, and they don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's you know those those figures are and as which is funny because I was just working I'm working on a project uh -huh. right now and I'm doing some research into turnover numbers and the costs associated with it and it was oh it's always been difficult to nail an exact number right because you have hard costs and then you have the soft costs and then you have really the hidden costs of what happens depending on your business right in your industry what happens when customers patrons clients continue to see a revolving door mm -hmm. in your organization you know even if it's just a restaurant right that you like to go to mm -hmm. my sister and I go to the same place every time I go home to visit her mm -hmm. and the and and all the waitresses know us right mm -hmm. and there's a comfort of knowing that you're gonna see the same people you're gonna get that same level of service and I do think that that is probably a big impact that very few companies realize the power of that loss and then also is at least this is always the way I thought about it when I was in recruiting you know obviously you can't hire everybody and you can't keep every employee right whether it's misconduct or the, mm -hmm. the job is obsolete but I always thought I want that person to be a customer right mm -hmm. I want them to say nice things about the business and that's so that was always part of my thinking when I was in recruiting was you are a potential customer one way or the other and I want to mm -hmm. make sure you have a great experience but like I could go on like that for days but I, I do think that issue is something that we all need to be prepared for and think about is how easily and willing am I to learn something new mm -hmm. because I think we're all constantly reinventing ourselves a lot um, so let's talk a little bit though about this transition this idea of reinvention and then moving into something new it, you know there are obviously thousands and thousands tens of thousands of people of a certain age who have lost their job left their job willingly unwillingly um why do you think entrepreneurship is such a great option for them in particular and then do you think it's right for everybody not right for everybody uh, yeah. a lot of people just automatically say oh anybody can do it well not true you know and only because they think they've done it that everybody can do it and oh my god you you can do it and I understand that and anytime I speak to anyone and I offer my services a lot of time uh, for free just to help people in the right way um, you may not be a fit for an entrepreneur uh, and I try to let them know in the book some of the obstacles you're going to run into and uh, if not you should pursue and keep pursuing staying in your niche and going that way and uh, the number one thing again is always I don't know what I would do what would I sell if I was on my own Amway that type of thing no 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 uh, diet pills no 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 <laughs> that type of thing that's all you know you're based on the people above you type environment right it's it's just like and that's why I named it Encore onto your business pedigree it's like dummy hello <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yes, that's right. So, so you really have the opportunity if you're the right kind of person. If you have, because there's a lot of, you know, I'm going to just call it for one of a, a better term, your personality, right? There, there is an issue about some people are well suited. Some people are sort of well suited. They can learn, right? Correct. They're willing, willing to learn the skills that are are needed, and some people are just not. They, they come face to face with the fact that. I don't have this naturally and I don't want to learn it and I'm not going to and I, I then I'm gonna to have to go what am I gonna do you're gonna to have to get a job yeah and I you know I always tell them they say well I don't I don't know how to sell I've never sold anything in my life and I just click them back to their mind saying well every day whether you know it or not you're selling everything comes out of your mouth you're selling your wife your kids you're selling that 
and you don't realize it. So you have the ability to sell, you just don't know how to convert it over or slide it into uh, your own pedigree. Yeah, there's a, a famous quote that, I don't, you know, it's that famous philosopher, Anonymous, uh, who, who said that <clears throat> being self-employed is the greatest personal development program you'll ever be part of because you come face to face with your own crap. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's true. A lot of times we don't realize that, my God, I have an issue with selling until you're actually in the moment. Mm -hmm. You discover, oh, I'm really uncomfortable. So that I think is a great point to remember you've been in situations like this where you've influenced people and you've helped them recognize that you were the right choice for them. And that's really all it has to be. It's just helping people make that decision that's best for them and helping them recognize that it's either is you or it's not you because nothing's worse than convincing somebody who's really not a great client anyway. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I always say, well, think of all the things you've bought from other salespeople and other companies. I go, how did you like to be sell to, you know, was it audio video, you know, I'm sorry, auditory visual, that type of environment. And what were the things that made you like that salesperson uh, that you said, okay, to go do it and just reverse it and just say, it's similar. It's very similar. And that's what everybody is looking for when they're getting sold to. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Everybody just wants to make the best decision for them and the more you can help them do that, then the better all the way around. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about these strategies to reinvent yourself. You, you outlined five in the book. So I want to talk about one that I think really blocks people quite a bit, and that's fear, right? So get over your fear is the number two strategy. So can you talk about what fears you think hold people back from starting a business? The number one thing is because everybody keeps ground into their mind is uh, people go around listing the top 10 fears of people and it's always public speaking, you know, is number one more yeah. than death. And that's like, hello. <laughs> and in reality, that's, that's selling, you know, that type of environment. And uh, yeah, I guess I've been fortunate my whole life. I've been a salesperson, but I've also worked with people that were new in all the industries that I was in and was able to help them along uh, because it says, oh my God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this demo. I don't know how to you know, uh, get a call to action. I don't know how to close the sale. What's going on? And I go, it'll come naturally. Obviously, you're going to mess up. People prefer to have you mess up and then correct it in front of them. And don't be afraid you don't have the answer. I always would say, you know, that's a good question. I'm writing that down. I will get back to you either in a phone call or an email. I want to make sure I get you the right answer rather than just giving you an answer. Right. And that gets over that fear. It puts everybody comfortable. Not everybody knows everything. And right. don't be afraid to do it. You know, we all messed up. Yeah, I think it, part of it is that, that self-expectation that I have to be perfect. <laughs> and if I'm not perfect, Right, nobody's going to buy from me and nobody's going to want to deal with me when in actuality, right, we all recognize that people say the wrong thing or they don't have the right information. And as long as they admit it and then actually do follow up, that's the thing, that's what's actually great and often endears you to someone rather than the person who it looks like they're faking that they have all the right answers, right? Right. Once you once you fake it and give them the wrong answer, they'll never trust you again. No. And you won't get a second chance at that. It's it's better to walk away with. Well, I remember one client, three pages of things I had to go back to right. find out about, and uh, that was great. You know, when you don't work at IBM and you don't have your technical people with you, and you're selling, you depend a lot on your pen and paper. Yeah. But Fortunately, when you're at IBM, you overkill it and walk in with 15 people and one client, <laughs> and they go, Jesus, I didn't expect an army. <laughs> That's right. So, so let's talk about these fears that sometimes surprise us. Like I had mentioned, you know, we're, we're out on our own. We think we're going to be fine. And then we come face to face with the fact that we didn't realize we had a problem 
talking to people or doing a presentation or what do you think are are some of the other fears that tend to pop up or maybe there are skills that we should make sure we have to make sure we're going to be having a good experience as an entrepreneur get off the ground quickly i always say uh, don't be well this is everybody says it don't be afraid to fail but the uh thing is is that i don't i don't take rejection i don't retake it lightly and i'm going haven't you been rejected in your own personal life before your wife saying well we're not buying that house i don't care what you say <laughs> that type of thing and you move on and i was very very fortunate when i first got into sales learning the one thing about making sales calls cold calls that type of thing where i was taught that you won't make your first sale until after you've talked to 100 people. And I go, yeah, but that's 100 no's. I go, I can't take that. And they go, but let me put that in perspective for you. I always used to have a list when I first got into sales. When the first person said no, I'd mark it down. The second person, no, I'd mark it down. There was nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't the right timing, wasn't the right product or anything. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And then when I got to the 99th one, and all of a sudden, the 100th one said yes. Then the light bulb went off in my mind is, you have to go through the first 100 to get that person to say yes. And the main thing you say is to yourself is, that 100th person is paying for all the 100, the other 99 no's, and that's where you make your money. And it's like, boom, now i got to start over with the next 100 people. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that is one of the things, you really nailed it, that's one of the things that is just so frustrating. Yeah. For those of us who are out on our own, it's kind of like being in a one-pitch softball game. Yeah. Right? You're going to be, they're going to throw you the ball, you're either going to swing and hit or you're going to swing and miss. And, right. and it can be really painful when, you know, you have to eat. You've gotten used to eating at least twice a day, and uh, you'd like to do it most days of the week. So I think that's another element in here is that there we feel like there's so much at risk when we're having these conversations with people. What do you think could be some strategies for speeding that up and maybe getting a couple of yeses quicker based on the same number of people? I think rather than the 100% uh, cold call is if you could get some type of warm introduction yeah. anywhere yeah. Uh, because information is so pervasive now. Anybody can go to a website and find out anything they want about any product. If you can have that warm, warm call, whereas they've already had an introduction to you. <coughs> and what I do now is kind of like a funnel where I can track, uh, where they are looking at what I have available for them. That's great. Mm -hmm. And as they move along and I know they want more and more information, all of a sudden there's a tipping point where it's like, boom. Now all of a sudden I think I should call them and not waste six or seven calls ahead of time to get a no. If I can get only the ones that are moving up the food chain, that's my next book, Moving Up the Food Chain to Bigger Clients. Uh, good. <laughs> good, that's great. Because most people sell to a certain thing and they go, I can't get out of this thing. I'm selling to the small business. I know there's many small businesses that are a little bit bigger, 5 million, 10 million. They may have one person doing uh, sales. They may have one person uh, operating the computer system and stuff. If I can get into there, my profits will then go up because I'm more valuable to them. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I think the other advantage of a, a larger business is that every dollar is not putting them at risk, right? They have a little bit of money to play with when it comes to making an investment. Not that they don't want a, an, a return. We know they do, but they're not quite as panicked about spending that money because there's a little bit of a comfort zone in right. there. It's easier to justify rather than really draw, drawing out the sales cycle with someone who's an independent or maybe only has two or three employees, they're looking at every single uh, nickel. Right, right, yeah, exactly. So uh, there, your other, I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm jumping around a little bit, and, and the, right. the uh, 
tips that you recommend. So yeah. in, number, in, in chapter seven, right, of your book, and I have my notes I'm looking at, um, you have strat, uh, strategies that are to establish steps, I should say, to establish yourself as an expert, right? Um, there's one that I think a lot of former corporate escapees struggle with, <laughs> and I want to get your thoughts on this, and that is strategy number four, which is proving it, right? I, I, have, I, I have somebody in my head right now that I'm thinking about this. She's one of the smartest humans that I've ever met. She's, in, she's just incredibly brilliant. And talk about a corporate pedigree. It's, it's just incredible what she had achieved. She was a senior vice president, but um, you know, at a, at a relatively young age, but out on her own, she feels like she has nothing. Like yeah. nobody, nobody cares about those things I did. That was then. I don't have anything now. So can you talk a little bit about that proof and proving it? Yeah, I always say, you know, nobody cares about that. Yes, they do. <laughs> they really care about it. You may think they don't care about it, but yes, they do. And somewhere along the line, uh, someone gave you a compliment. Somebody gave you a bolster. Even if you can't get a hold of them, or, and there, or there may be a letter, or even your own, uh, in the armor you used to call it your 201 file, your personnel file, somebody gave you an attaboy, or you got an award for sales, uh, you went on a trip, a corporate trip, all those things are provability. Uh, if somebody gave you a review of what you did for them, or a case study, if you did any case studies and most technical people and most people have always done a case study, boy, if you got those, those are gold. Those are gold. And they're all third-party uh, validations. And uh, I always say you're, move away from Facebook. That's all your friends. That you're not really going to get people with money, people that can spend. Uh, and between all the hassles and everything that's going on with Facebook, go to LinkedIn. There you're going to find like-minded people all trying to move their careers ahead, and you'll make a lot of contacts there, and you'll find a lot of people that you used to previously work for or a lot of people in your network that you know that will be more than happy to give you a LinkedIn recommendation. Yeah, that's a great point. <coughs> that We forget we're on all these platforms, right? Mm -hmm. And we forget that we've got these connections and that's the easiest spot to go back to, to ask people for mm -hmm. specific, hey, you, you know, back in the day, you said this about, about that project I worked on. <clears throat> Can you make that a LinkedIn recommendation for me? Because that's your proof, right? Mm -hmm. Right there, that is your proof. And I think it's a, a great way to get that kind of evidence. And if you were responsible for the success, especially of a well-known company, even if it's locally or regionally, that right there is your proof as well. The fact that they're, they continue to do as well as they do. Yeah, and you're not actually calling anybody, because which is much harder in chasing down people, because everybody hides behind voicemail. LinkedIn is more of a warm entry. It's a two-sentence thing, and everybody knows why they're on LinkedIn. So it's like you're more applicable to get people to help you out, and they may say, okay, <laughs> you can do one for me, right. or tell me what you want me to say, send it to me, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll give you a, what do you call it. And everybody knows it, but it right. gives you more validity right off the bat. I agree with you, and I think that that issue of tell me what you want me to say, I think people, people want to help you, mm -hmm. right? They want to help you. But then when you, when you ask them for a recommendation and you don't share with them what you want to have emphasized in mm -hmm. that recommendation, now you're asking them to agonize over what to say, and they don't want to say something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes, write it and say, hey, I wrote this based on conversations we had or things that you had said that I heard you say to other people. So there's no shame. In, oh, no. in writing that recommendation and then giving it to the person to approve, to edit as they see fit. Mm -hmm. And just a quick side one, when I was in selling and it was coming time to close and being handed up to the CFO and then the uh, uh, C-level management, they said, okay, i got to do an ROI, I've got to do uh, <laughs> a cost analysis, right. I have to 
uh, put it all in, in a statement with what I want and everything. And I go, whoa, 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 don't worry about that. I'll do it all. And I do it as though they were presenting it. I even gave them the presentation, the ROI, send it to them. And I go, this is what you present. Massage it any way you want to. You don't have to do any of their work. And they go, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great that's a great example because again, people want to help you, but they're already crazy busy. They already have other people who they want to help too. So the mm -hmm. more you can do to make it easier for them to help you, the better and the faster that you're liable to get that result back from them as mm -hmm. well. And, and maybe they'll even make your testimonial even sweeter because you were so kind and, and made <laughs> for them as well. So, yep, yep. all right, so let's look at, the, I have eight courageous actions for mm -hmm. building a business. So I'm going to get your, your two cents on each sure. one of these. Let's start, of course, with marketing, right? What do you think is the best way for a solo professional to market themselves? Immediately, like we started to talk about, is LinkedIn. Uh, again, I can't tell you how many people waste time uh, on Facebook. Unless you're super knowledgeable of how to pinpoint, and I'm talking about going down eight or nine steps on Facebook to get the exact target market, that you're not going to succeed at it, and you're going to wind up spending a lot of money. We're LinkedIn business-oriented. Think of that, business-oriented. Where you get, where's, who's got the money? Businesses. Uh, go to that type of thing. And people say, well, how do I find the right person in a particular business to get to, even though I may have had some interaction at a lower level? And I uh, always send them to Salesforce because they had a product which they purchased, which I used forever. And I can't remember what it was. Um, it was started by salespeople, run by salespeople, and everybody that participated in it was salespeople. And what it was is you would enter a business card after you left a uh, meeting, no matter what company it was, no matter what level it was. And you would enter in that person's information. Okay, here's his email. Here's his uh, phone number on his desk. Right. Here's his title. Here's everything you need to know what he is with that organization. And man, did it explode because you could go in there and search by title within a corporation or anything, and it would come up with every single level. The hardest thing in sales was finding that person's email. The hardest thing is you can't call into the operator and say, can I talk to this person? If you can get their direct dial number, it exploded. If you can get that, and you got five points for every one you entered, but you could also get as many contacts as you wanted yeah. from other people. And that cut to the chase quicker than ever before. You have to do that one. And LinkedIn is the other one. Okay. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that, that software as well. And I can't remember its name either. So They I'll changed the name it. when they went to it. But Yeah, yeah. That, that's a great tip. Yeah. And again, we forget about those things that we already have at our fingers. fingers anything, to, anything to turn a cold call into a warm call? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so sales itself, right? Selling. What do you think is the biggest mistake that people make in a sales conversation? Work it backwards. They don't have a call to action, number one. They don't close, number two, because they don't know how to close. And the simplest close is if I answered all your objections, and if I answer, I shouldn't say objections, if I answered all your questions and everything, do you think it could be time when you would be able to say yes and we can move forward? Right. Going back before then, you could have the greatest product in the world, and most people waste time yakking about their product. The guy may not care about 90% of your product. He only has the one thing in his head that keeps him up at night, okay? You answer that question, you got. You can go move forward. Yeah. Forget about it. Let him ask you for other different things. If you just only focus on what they need, that's all you need. Yeah, yeah. I think that if I had to pick one thing, one mistake that I've seen people make, you talk too much. <laughs> yes. Right? You talk too much. You Just like applicants, back to the interview, I would have an applicant who would end up talking themselves right out of the job. 
Yes. Everything they said up to here was really great. And then for some reason, they kept right on talking and up came all this stuff that I had not been able to uncover. And all right, you just sunk yourself right there. And I think with salespeople, they talk too much and forget to ask questions and really listen to that person's response. The number one thing is listening. I close more sales by keeping my mouth shut and the person convinces themselves by talking. <laughs> and I've seen so many salespeople do the stupid thing where the customer says, I'm ready to buy, where are the agreements, let's get set it up and sign them and we'll do it right now. And the salesperson said, but I gotta tell you about this thing. And it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually had a friend that, that afterwards she told me, and I realized I was doing it and I must've been crazy, but she didn't even have, <clears throat> she actually did not have the document. Ah, right? never walk out the door without an agreement. Right, always bring it with you so that you can fill it, you know, have blank spaces, fill it in right there in the moment. Yeah, if you're meeting face to face, have it, because otherwise, now you're waiting for people to send it in the mail or email it or, yeah, it's a big headache. I call it I call it the law of diminishing return. If you the longer you take and to get back to them or whatever, you're out of their mind. You wait a week, they're on to something else. And now with technology, you can actually sit there and uh, change or make an amendment to agreement right there in front of them, right. and have a, a signature and move away from it. If you have to do that running back and forth, forget it. Yeah, exactly. There are their enthusiasm dies, and there are too many other distractions and other problems. Right? I got to solve this other problem, and you want to capitalize on the fact that they're focused. They they're passionate about. Yes, I want to solve this problem. Absolutely. Yeah, and move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what's your best tip for scaling a solo practice or? Is that really just too much for us all to hope for? And we've just got to somehow raise our prices and get to those bigger clients. Is, is that how we do it? What do you think? Too many solo entrepreneurs wait till they have something to sell or something to offer. And my philosophy is get out there and sell ahead of time. And you're what you're talking to people about, they'll tell you what they want to buy. Right. and go for that type of thing and start promoting yourself before you even have a product. I'm out of my own. Yeah. I'm going into my pedigree and that type of thing. I'm going to be putting together things. Can you tell somebody else about it? Would you mind for a referral? And then in the meantime, uh, don't waste your time doing an online course that takes forever. My philosophy is what can bring me in money now? Okay, and the easiest one for me, and here's the big fear, book. Well, I'm not a writer. Yeah, and I don't want you to be a writer. I can, you can knock out a book in 10 minutes with your business pedigree. And they go, get lost. I go, okay, what's the 10 things that people always ask you about? Write them down. That's 10 chapters. And what's 10 things they should know about that they're not asking? That's another time. You got your book done. Hello? <laughs> and there's so many online tools now to edit and publish your book, you can be up and running within a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. And that's, so that's great <laughs> proof as well. And I think you're, this issue of you can sell something before you actually have something to sell. I think that there are so many people who think that's outrageous. But in reality, and, and I've had this happen to me, I've, I've asked somebody for an informational meeting. You know, hey, I'm looking to create sure a solution to this problem. Sure. But I'd like to get more information about that problem and what you're doing right now to solve it. And after these people have talked out loud like that, and you've asked good questions, they've convinced themselves that you're the person to solve the problem. And, and you weren't really ready in your mind, right? To, but they're ready to work with you. So, yeah, and, yeah. and that's what I always say, go back and invent it. <laughs> Once they tell you what they want, write it for them. And I always tell people the biggest uh, proof, when we say prove it, you have a book, it could be 25 pages, it could be a PDF, it could be anything. Right. And you hand that out or give it to them, that cuts out 90% of your competition because I go, well, I've written a book on this. And they automatically think, well, geez, the other guy's selling it to me, he doesn't know anything. 
he hasn't published anything, he's just a salesperson. I'm going to believe this guy a little bit more because he's a published author. And it's like, warm call, I'm on my way. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> send him the book, go ahead. <laughs> it's that proof and validation. Right. If nothing else, you worked hard enough to get it done and that other person didn't, right? Right. You took the time to document the knowledge that you have. You're giving it to them. It's helping them learn more about their problems. So, yeah, suddenly you become the star, and it's all about positioning yourself in that unique, that unique expert way. And it's different than when you're at IBM. There isn't anybody that refuses a meeting or a phone call when you say, I'm with IBM. You know, they've already got that proof of validation. When you work for a company that has no footprint or no, what do you call it, good luck. Right. Now you've got to sell everything else to get to the point of getting the meeting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Just like in, I you know, worked in hospitality, and so if somebody had Disney on their resume, that right, my... <laughs> they're getting an interview, right? Chances are really good they're getting an interview because they've worked for one of the top, uh, hospitality companies. So yeah, that that's part of what hopefully you're thinking about or you, you know when you were an employee you were thinking about who am I working for to make sure that you work for top shelf employers as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of guru advice out there that talks about how important it is to create courses and products to grow revenue through that additional revenue stream. Do you agree with that? And and what do you think is the first thing then that a solo professional should create? Is it the book or is it a course? Again, I believe it's the book. And then I go out now and I go, I hate anybody that uses the word guru in there. I automatically check them off because it's overused and overblown. It's like, unless you show me proof, forget it. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't need it. And then this in the, uh, software industry we would say well we will write that for you we will do that for you we've done this and everything that happens why people in the software succeed so much you write it once but yet you're selling it to a manufacturer well that same product is good for every manufacturer out there every you write a product for retail that's good for every retailer out there you write it once, become an evergreen product, and sell it a million times. And that's what you're doing with yourself being a solo preserver. Okay. So and go with the book, your course is going to take you forever. Yeah. So, okay. So, book first, course second, if at all, right? Yeah. And how about managing? There are oh, so wait, many. One second. Yes. Uh, uh, consulting. We always forget about that. You can immediately go out and sell that in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, I went out and I went and did consulting for the computer IT industry, hardware, software, services, and support. Right. I needed nothing. I had all my pedigree. Walked in the door and go, I worked at IBM for 25 years. They go, you've been, oh, you know everything about this business. I was in distribution. I was, I was in media and entertainment. Walt Disney was my corporate account worldwide for five years. They go, oh. come on in. <laughs> so. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and for the book. <laughs> yeah, and that's that really is a great point, and that gets back to your pedigree. So many times we leave our corporate lives thinking, "I hate this job," you know, "I hate this." Right? I'm not. I don't want to do it anymore. But in reality, you're running the show now. So if you could really do just what it is that you love to do, that's where your greatest gift is. That's where your greatest leverage is for consulting as well. You don't have to do all the crazy crap that your employer had you do. Absolutely not. You will yeah. know this and get a good laugh out of it. I always reference, and I even send the clip to a lot of my clients from the movie Up in the Air with George Clooney, where he was the guy that companies hired to go around and lay off everybody. Yes. <laughs> and he does the 17-minute interview with uh, J.K. Simmons. He goes, Bob, you know, you've been here 23 years, and you've really moved up the ladder. You've made all this money and everything, but are you really happy? And he goes, no. He goes, but you stayed because the money was good, didn't you? And he goes, yes. But what do you really like to do? Oh, man, I love to cook. Bob, think of what you could make if you just did what your passion was. I send that clip to everybody, and they appreciate it. And I'm sure you've seen the movie, and I tell everybody that's in corporate environment, see the movie because it's real life situation yeah yeah it's you know we don't like to think about that but it it is all too well 
that and and you know I used to do when I first was out on my own I actually did career coaching and I so my past employer hired me to do outplacement with the their first ever layoff they mm -hmm. never laid anybody off in middle management before so this was a big deal for them and yeah, I work so hard with people to try to see it as this is really a gift that you've been given. How can you start thinking about it in that way? And you can now give yourself permission to really do the things that you loved to do and, and have always really secretly dreamed of doing. But of course, some people can't get past that, right? And I think that's, that's a huge issue for everybody to address. I can't tell you how many people that I know that have saw the movie and they go, man, did that hit really home? And I go, of course it did, because that's what's happening. And it's like, is that going to happen to me? Is that something you know, but you should be prepared. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is something that often, again, we put the blinders on or stick our head in the sand and you've got to stay tuned into what is going on in your industry and in the economy in general. And it's that ability to flex, right? That, mm -hmm. that reinvention that becomes so important. Mm -hmm. So as we grow our, our solo business, you know, there becomes I have a, a cat hairs in my eye. Well, um, I just was going to laugh because my admin, you could hear meowing. <laughs> she uh, <laughs> wants to take her break. Go ahead, Riley. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we know how hard, how hard Riley works. So That's right. <laughs> certainly needs her break. Yeah, I had to take one of mine to the vet this morning, so she was rubbing her head all over my head <laughs> and course. my cat hair in my eye. Anyway, so as we're looking to grow our business, you know, our own business becomes more complex and it becomes a challenge to then start to manage it. So what do you think, what is one area of the business that you think solo professionals really need to put a little bit more attention to as they grow? So they're they're managing things a bit better. Do what you know first and always. Put that first and always do that first. Never spend five, never spend $20 on a $5 job. You're worth more than $25, $50, $100 an hour. Why would you want to put somebody's name and address in a what do you call it or send out one email, that type of thing? If farm it out, outsource it, trust me, it's a $5 job. And think about how much time you're wasting and losing. And you, even if you did that for a half an hour, it's like, uh-oh, I just wasted $100 that I could have been making. Yeah. And that, yeah. get into that mindset. That's probably the number one thing. Yeah, and I think that that mindset, at least for me, was one of the tough things about shifting out of that corporate mindset. Because at work, you know, it wasn't my money, but we were, you know, I was raised as a professional that that's the shareholder's money mm -hmm. and that's all of our money. So the more cost effective you can be with every decision, more benefits, more compensation, and more return for the shareholders, and that's what we're building. So to then let go of that mindset, because uh, there were plenty of times when I got paid to do a $5 job, which exactly. I really shouldn't have, right? So I think the sooner we can get rid of that mindset, it, the better. Yeah. And the other, the other last thing is, as you're building your business and you're accumulating products, or software or something that is going to help your business will always say, don't go chasing the silver spoon or the silver, whatever. Uh, look at it by the number one question. What kind of money can I make in return from investing in this particular software? If you can't find tangible reasons why you should purchase that product and also qualify it with, can I make a hundred thousand dollars just with this one product? Or is it only going to make me three grand? Well, screw it. I'm going to go with the other one, that type of thing. Very important. Yeah, that's. I think those are great points. It comes down to really we've all only got 24 hours in the day, right, until we figure out a way to bend time. So you've only got 24 hours. You need to sleep for a few of them anyway, right? So mm -hmm. every minute you, you invest has to produce a tremendous return mm -hmm. on that investment for you.
All right, so how about growth? One of the areas that I think we can get caught up in is our own personal, professional growth, taking courses and certifications and all this stuff. How do we balance the need to be excellent with maybe a tendency to kind of get sucked in and maybe even hide behind, I have to learn one more thing. Uh, you don't. I call it uh, just-in-time learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where you don't have to bug up your mind with everything else. Wait, there's all the information is out there. When you need it, go get it. I wasted so much time because it wasn't out there, and we all have, especially us baby boomers. I gotta get this down. I gotta get this down. And I'm sitting there going, I never used it again. <laughs> it's like algebra. I haven't used that since the day I Ever. failed it. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, I, and it's just in time learning. I go, that's the way you do it. And you always have to make sure you have time for your family. They're your number one support. Right. You don't realize it, and I didn't realize it in some of my early relationships, that success means nothing unless you have someone to share it. I closed many sales when I was young and single, and I turn around and I go, eh, so what? I made some money. It just, you know, so I closed the sale. When you have a good family and a good foundation, and, you, and they go, thank you, honey. Now Johnny can go to college. Now we can pay this particular thing. Man, do you feel 10 times better. Yeah. Really great. The best decision I ever made was marrying my, my wife. Good for you. I That's awesome. I grown a million times more than when I was single. That's awesome. That's, that's fantastic. So as entrepreneurs, we're leaders to our own target audience, right? But we also, I think it's important to also be seen as a leader in your industry segment as well. You know, maybe this refers back to that idea of doing a book or a course again. How, do you think that that is really the best way to position yourself as a leader within the industry as well? Or is there another strategy? that you'd recommend? Book first, courses, even down the line. Uh, it's so easy to every city or town in your industry has small groups that meet once a month, network, and most of it's for finding another job with another company uh, where they'll get and have cocktails or they'll get in somebody's uh, uh, boardroom that, the company let them out and they'll just sit around and yeah, well, you got five minutes there to do a stand-up thing. Uh, and no longer than five minutes. Hi, I'm Joe Epolito. I work for what do you call it? My professionalism is this. And if you need help with that type of thing, and I want to speak about one little tiny thing you may not know about. Boom, 15 minutes, you're done. You can do that in front of the rotary, you can do that in front of especially uh, uh, chambers of commerce. They're always looking for people to do that type of thing. Yeah. Just go ahead and do it. And don't be afraid to fail. It's a small scale. Yeah, that's right. It's a low risk, right? Yeah. It's really a low risk, but a high potential return on investment if you are able to do even a most basic level job at delivering that kind of information. So yeah, that's a great that's a great strategy. And as it gets well. you over your fear of public speaking and mm -hmm. to the point now where I have a segment that I always say, well you know, what can you speak on? Well, I can speak on the internet. I can speak on manufacturing. I can speak on that. And I changed mine a little bit because I had the seven or 10 topics I can talk on, but I'm able to get a ton of speaking engagements because I market it as a speaker in a minute. And they go, well, what the hell is that? Every single show or conference that goes on out there, somebody cancels. <laughs> That's a great point. And it's like, how do I fill that? Who can I get to come in there? I'll be there in a minute. Now I charge them three times as much, right there in a bind. <laughs> yeah, that's really a great point. Yeah, the more you can say, I am prepared and I'm ready. Right. Yes, obviously there's a premium to be paid for that, that last yeah. minute filler, but I'm prepared, I'm ready. And then you also really look like a hero to that yes. person. Yes. Because otherwise, they feel they look bad. They're ashamed that, that it, even though we know stuff happens, right? Yeah. People get in car accidents or whatever. So or yeah, the that's plane really gets delayed. How many times have I seen that? The plane gets delayed. The speaker can't make it, and nobody else thinks about that speaker-wise. It's like, well, you know, I got to go through speaker, but I don't know how much lead time they need. Where the speaker in a minute is like, I can be there in the next day 
or if you're located here in Las Vegas, I can be there in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's that reputation within your own existing community that, hey, exactly. I would love to speak to your group. You've got your agenda booked for the next X months. If anybody cancels, I'm ready. I can I can be your version of speaker in a minute. Yeah, that's a great idea. Really great. JT, I could go on for hours. The sure. listeners though will be happy to know that we won't go on for hours. <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody what you what it is that you do and where they can go to learn more about you? Well, my number one thing that I want to direct people to is that my book that Encore Entrepreneur. I've never since the day I published it wanted to make money at it. I used it for my own credibility. I always keep it at 99 cents. And it's always been there because I want to give back to everybody else who's going through what I went through. And it's just like, if I can cut that in half for you and what you're thinking and what's going crazy or even more, go at it. And I get more people saying, well, you could charge this much and this much for what? You know, so I make an extra couple bucks. Uh, I'd rather just give it back for free. And if I could, I would do it. And my next book coming out, when they first initially launch, I always make them for free for five days. You have to do that. It's my legacy. If somebody says I helped them out, that's great. And we all know that when you succeed in life, you should always turn around and give a hand back to help somebody else up. Uh, because it's the best thing you can do for the rest of your life. Um, Absolutely. Uh, what do I do? I now have a live streaming YouTube channel under Sync SYNC Media Network. We're up over a, to a thousand videos now where we attend all these different conferences and events only looking for bleeding edge products. Once it's introduced and it's out there, I like to give people first mover advantage and company's first mover advantage. If you can kill a market if you have that. So that's what all those videos are about, and they're broken out in the playlist. I also have my books, which is under jtfolito.com, and then media marketing management is my consulting arm okay. of the media marketing manager, mgmt.com. That's the one where we go out and do actual consultings for corporation by mixing both IT consulting and also uh, marketing together. Uh, we found that putting both together makes it easier for corporations to have one phone call rather than having five different people come in with different expertise. That's about okay. it. Outstanding. And of course, we'll have all those links right sure. there in the show notes so you can grab JT's books and, uh, and check out his, his videos and all that he does. JT, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It was great information, great chatting with you. It was a ball. I wish it was all like this. I look forward to helping you out in your business also. Have thank a great day. Thank you, everyone. I hope you found that interesting and helpful. JT has an incredible amount of knowledge to share. If you like this episode, please share it with your connections. Leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it. And be sure to subscribe either on that specific platform like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or you can subscribe to the video version on my channel on YouTube. But when you subscribe on my website at winnieanderson.com slash fans, you'll get episodes emailed to you each week along with information, tips, and resources to help you come out of hiding, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals so you can profit from your expertise. All right, so your cocktail exercise, otherwise known as a reflection exercise. No, alcohol needs to be involved. Don't drink and drive. Don't overindulge. All right, so your reflection exercise. It's to think about your corporate pedigree. Are you really leveraging it or are you minimizing it for some reason? You certainly have some great experiences that prove your expertise. So are you peppering your marketing with those examples and those stories or are you minimizing them and not really leveraging them at all? Okay, now your action step. Of course, it's a little bit more complicated than just one step, but make a list of all the accomplishments and great experiences that you've had in your career. You're going to list the projects that you've worked on, the accolades and awards you've won, the achievements you've had. So to do that, you're going to take a piece of paper and you're going to hold it in, a, in what is considered portrait layout, okay, like this. And then you're going to fold it in half 
lengthwise like this. And on one side, you're going to list all those accolades, achievements, etc. And on the other side, you're going to write down all the ways that you're using the skills that these achievements gave you in your current business, right? So you're going to list the skills that you have now and how your past achievements are supporting you in doing the work that you are doing now. I'll bet you've taken many of your achievements for granted. Now, remember, those elements from your past are part of what builds your credibility as an expert. They're like battle medals. So pepper your message with examples of the work you did. Don't be ashamed of them. Your audience is likely to, to be similar to you in, in some ways, and they're likely to appreciate knowing that you've had those experiences and that you learned the lessons that matter to them. And if you're an introverted solo professional or someone with an introverted leaning, ready to get support to reach your business development goals as part of a community of like-minded and like-personality professionals, then head over to winnieanderson.com slash introverts group and join my Facebook group. Thanks for listening, and remember, you deserve all the success you dream of.